Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, continuing our dialogue about practical issues related to ministry leadership. As you may know, we are in the midst of presidential transition at Gateway Seminary. This past fall, I announced that it was time for the transition to be initiated. The Board of Trustees has uh, started that process. And sometime in 2024, we will have a new president at our school, which means that I will move on to a new role in life and a new definition of what it means to serve in God's kingdom as a ministry leader. I've been working a good bit on this, studying it, reflecting on it, trying to learn how to transition well, especially as an older leader. The hard reality is older leaders sometimes struggle with transition. We struggle to give up our roles, our responsibilities, and all that comes with them. I want to talk to you on the podcast today about older leaders struggling with transition. Now, you may say, well, I'm not an older leader. I'm turning the podcast off. No, please don't. You're a younger leader. Someday, you're going to be an older leader. You can be doing things now that will help prepare you in the future to make a good transition. You're a younger leader. You're likely going to be taking over a responsibility from an older leader who may need your help, your direction, even your prodding to survive the transition process well. So I hope you'll listen to this, not only as an older leader, perhaps getting new information about what might help you to transition well out of your current responsibility when the time comes, but as a younger leader, you might listen today with an ear toward what this means for your future, and also for, for a perspective on how you can help older leaders transition well. When we consider the reasons why older leaders struggle with transition, the first one is confusion about identity. Many older leaders have been doing what they do for 30, 40, 50 years. And so because of that, they have defined their identity by their ministry role, or by their ministry title. So that when you ask them who they are, they respond by saying they are a pastor. If you ask them uh, in the seminary context for their name, they reply by saying they are Dr. So-and-so. They define who they are by their ministry role and by their ministry title. This becomes so deeply ingrained in us that it's very difficult to step out of the role and title because when we do so, we lose our identity. Identity is a very significant issue. We all want to know who we are, what defines our personhood. And when we have to step outside of that identity and when we feel that we don't have an identity, it can be very disconcerting. That's why some people who move into the retirement years, actually struggle emotionally, go through depression. Some very quickly go out and find another job, not because they necessarily need the money, although that may be a part of the, of the situation, but simply because they want to reestablish an identity that gives them a sense of comfort. Older leaders struggle with transition because of confusion about identity. Now, what does... What can we do to solve this dilemma and be prepared to make this transition 
without this crisis. First, we have to understand that our spiritual identity is in Christ. That's such a powerful phrase in the Bible. We are in Christ. In other words, our identity is we're Christian. Our identity is not that we are pastor or doctor, professor or minister. Our identity is we're Christian. We are in Christ. And our spiritual identity is not only defined by uh, being in Christ, it's also defined by being on mission. But here's what's really difficult to distinguish sometimes. Mission is not the same as position. So, for example, the mission of Gateway Seminary is shaping leaders who expand God's kingdom around the world. And for the 20 years I've been president and for the 10 years before that, when I was a state executive, that's been my mission. God called me to step out of pastoral leadership and, in, and to devote my life to shaping others who will be leaders in that context and others. So my mission is shaping leaders. Now, in just a few months, I'm going to give up my position. But I do not intend to give up my mission. I'll have to redefine how I live out that mission because I'll no longer be doing it with the position, the platform, the influence, the prestige, the title of president. But that doesn't mean that I can't continue to live out my mission. Making this distinction between mission and position is very significant because it frees us from clinging to a position in order to define our mission and in in turn liberates us to find new ways to keep fulfilling our mission. I sometimes hear ministry leaders say, well, there's no retirement in the Bible. Well, that's simply not true, first of all. But what what they mean and what they're trying to say is is that there is no retirement for a Christian from the mission of God. Now, I fully affirm that. We are in Christ and we are on mission. We are not in a role and occupying a position. And so the first step in getting this identity issue clarified is establishing your spiritual identity as a Christian and your spiritual identity as being on mission and separating that from the role or the position that you have. Now, in practical terms, how can you def- what can you do to help make this distinction a practical reality in your life? Well, I'll give you two suggestions I've worked on over the years. First, define yourself by your personhood, not your role or your position. Oftentimes, because I have an unusual last name, when people are meeting me or preparing to introduce me, they will ask me this question. How do you pronounce your name? And with a smile, I usually reply, well, it's Jeff. Just very straightforward. And they, they, they're usually taken aback by that. It's like, oh, uh, okay, well, then Jeff, yeah, that, that's my name. That, that's what people call me. See, I'm a person. I'm not a role or a position. I'm not President Orge or Dr. Orge. Oh, I can be those things if I'm in a public forum or in a place where my title or position matters. But when we're having a conversation over lunch after the service, I'm Jeff. So just call me by my name. 
as a part of that, I've always insisted that the people I work with call me by my name in private. I understand that in public that I'm referred to in the seminary community as Dr. Orge and as Mr. President, and I have no problem with that. That's my role. That's my responsibility. That defines who I am and my professional function here in this role. But when I go out to lunch with my vice presidents or sit down with faculty members or anyone like that, I don't mind at all. In fact, I encourage them, just call me Jeff. That's my name. That's the person I am. And so by doing this over the years, it has reinforced for me this idea of having personhood that's separated from my role and my position. I'm in Christ. I'm a Christian. My name is Jeff. I'm on mission. And that really doesn't have to be defined by my title or my position. And also, another thing that's helped me over the years is to continually define myself by my relationships. I'm a husband and a father and a grandfather. And those relationships matter a great deal to me. And so I, when I think of myself and define myself to others, I try to remember to define myself in terms of my personhood. I'm Jeff and my relationships. I'm a father and a, a husband and a father and a grandfather. And by keeping those things in focus, I've helped maintain my identity separate from my role and title as a seminary president over the years. So in, in a few months, I'm going to step out of that role and title, but I don't think I'm going to lose my identity. I'm still going to be Jeff. I'm still going to be a Christian. I'm still going to be on mission. I'll still be defined most personally by the relationships that matter to me. I'm a husband and a father and a grandfather. So as you're thinking about your life, recognize that identity is a crucial issue. And take steps now to assure that you maintain your identity separate from, distinct from, your role, your position, your title, your function in ministry leadership. Those things are all important. And there's a place when you can maximize all of those things to accomplish the work God has given you. But don't make the mistake of being subsumed by role, title, and position and thinking that establishes your identity. Well, a second reason that older leaders struggle with transition is confusion about vision. Now, in teaching on vision, I define it this way. Vision is a God-directed perception about the future that draws people toward its fulfillment. Vision has compelling power. When a leader casts vision, it acts as, uh, with a magnetic force of pulling people forward to accomplish it. Vision propels organizations. It compels people. Vision is a powerful leadership tool to galvanize uh, both organizations and people and get them moving forward in a specific direction. Now, when you cast vision, it often creates momentum. In other words, people and organizations start moving toward the fulfillment of the vision. 
This is the natural function of leadership. Older leaders have spent perhaps decades casting vision. I've certainly done that here at the seminary. I have cast vision about facilities. I've cast vision about programming. I've cast vision about effectiveness. I've continually worked to cast vision to help move our seminary forward. But when I made my speech to the board of trustees and asked them to initiate the transition, I made a statement which I I think has uh, significant value and is an insight that older leaders need to consider. Here's what I said. I said, don't confuse vision with momentum. Right now, the seminary has the momentum that comes from my past visionary leadership. But right now, the seminary is riding the momentum of my past decisions, not drawing energy from my vision for the future. Now, this is a very important distinction. Leaders cast vision, and vision, like a magnet, draws an organization toward its fulfillment. It pulls an organization forward. It compels and and propels people and organizations to move forward. And once that movement starts, momentum has been created. And that momentum can go on for quite a while. In fact, right now, Gateway Seminary is riding the momentum of my past visionary leadership decisions. Our enrollment is strong. Our finances are adequate. Uh, Our morale is good. We are riding the momentum. But what makes me say that I no longer have vision for the future? Well, a couple of issues. First of all, when I look into the future these days, I see the problems, but I don't see the solutions. That's hard for me to admit. When I look into the future these days, I see the problems, but I don't necessarily see the solutions. The solutions to me seem vague and disjointed and unclear. That's not the way I've led for the past 30, 40 years as a ministry leader. In the past, I've looked into the future. I've seen the I've seen the possibilities, I've seen the problems, and I've seen the solutions to bridge the gap between problems and possibilities. That doesn't mean today that I don't see some possible solutions, but it just isn't coming into sharp focus for me where I can definitively say this is the direction we need to go and this is the or, these are the changes we need to make and these are the goals we need to achieve. It's just not that clear. Now, what happens with a lot of older leaders is we confuse vision with momentum. We say things like, well, I'm as vigorous as I've ever been. I'm committed to the Lord's work as much as I've ever been. I'm going to stay in this work as long as I possibly can because I want to live into the future. But we're deceiving ourselves because we don't see all those things like we once did. And we're confusing the momentum of our past leadership decisions with vision about the future. So I've had to come to this hard reality that we need a new visionary at Gateway. Somebody who sees 20 years down the road as I once did and who understands not only the problems but the possibilities 
and sees solutions and proposes those and galvanizes the organization to get us moving forward. Listen, if you're an older leader, sobering reflection is needed on this issue. Your church may be doing well. Your organization may be thriving. You may be thinking, why would anyone leave when things are going this well? But you might, you may, you may be riding the momentum of decisions you made 10 or five years ago, not decisions that are about five and 10 years into the future. And if you're riding that momentum, you, whether you realize it or not, are in a slowly downward spiral in your organization because you're no longer focused on the future. You're, you're spending too much time in the present or depending too much time on what's happened in the past. Another, another indicator that you're confusing momentum with vision is when you find yourself celebrating the past more than strategizing for the future. Celebrating the past. It's talking about how good things used to be. It's reliving past victories and talking about them with your team. It's focusing more on celebrating anniversaries of things gone past than it is thinking about the possibilities of the future. It's spending more time focusing on people who've made a difference in what they've done rather than people who are making a difference in what they will do. It's always appropriate to celebrate the past. I particularly as a, I call myself an amateur historian. I, I enjoy history. I enjoy reading history. I enjoy thinking about history. But I don't want to live there. I want to learn from it, use it appropriately, move on. But if you find yourself thinking a lot about celebrating what's already happened rather than strategizing about what might happen in the future, you may be confusing momentum with vision. And if so, I would encourage you to have a sobering, reflective conversation with yourself and maybe with your team and decide perhaps it's time to make that transition to get that visionary leader in place. So we've talked about confusion about identity and confusion about vision. But now I want to go where angels fear to tread. I want to talk about a third reason why leaders have a hard time giving up their role. Why do older leaders struggle with transition? Third reason, money. Older leaders often are making the most money or having the best compensation they've ever earned. And quite frankly, when you finally get to that point, it is hard to imagine giving that up. Another hard reality is that some older leaders have not made any preparation for the time when they would be self-funded. And because of that, they can't stop working. Unfortunately, when I was a state executive director, I had a number of these situations that came across my desk. Probably the most uh, difficult one involved a smaller church in eastern Washington. One of the men called me once and said, Dr. Orge, 
we don't know where else to turn and someone suggested I might call you. Here's our situation. Our pastor is in his mid-80s. He's in a wheelchair. He uses oxygen. He still wants to preach every Sunday and refuses to resign as pastor. Our church has declined from 10 years ago in attendance of 125, 150, down to fewer than a dozen people who attend regularly. What can we do? I said, well, besides the fact that your pastor obviously gets his identity from being a pastor and wants to continue in that role, what else is motivating him to to continue and not see what's happening around him and the cost that that's that that's taking on the uh, the toll that's taking on the church? And he said, "Well, the hard reality is he doesn't have the money to retire. Without the money that we're paying him from the church, uh, he wouldn't be able to survive financially. He never prepared for retirement. He always said, God will take care of me.'" So he made no financial preparation, and now we're stuck, if you will, in this situation with a declining church, with a pastor in very bad health, and we don't know what to do. Now, while that's a very dramatic and egregious situation, I I have to tell you that it's not that uncommon for older leaders to be in their position and unwilling to give it up because they simply don't have the resources to step aside. So older leaders may be struggling with transitioning well because of money. They either enjoy how much they're making and don't want to give it up, or they never prepared adequately for the time when they would be self-funded, and so they can't step aside. There's another issue, a subtext that goes along with money, and that is a sense of entitlement. Some older leaders may feel they are owed something for the service or the years of service they provided, a sense of entitlement. Well, I've been at this a long time, and it's their responsibility, whoever they there is, it's their responsibility to take care of me. Or, I've been at this a long time, and I've learned and I've earned these privileges. I've got these, this office and this staff and this expense account and these perks and these benefits and these entitlements, and they all belong to me, and I've earned them, and I don't want to give them up. If you're an older leader and you are in any of these situations, let me talk to you just for a minute about what you're going to have to do to face the hard realities and move on by resolving these money or financial issues. First of all, if you haven't prepared adequately for retirement, it's no one else's responsibility to care for you. You say, well, yes, but God will care for me. Yes, he will. But that doesn't mean that you have the privilege of putting that responsibility on any other individual. You can't say, God will take care of me, and then expect a church or a denomination or other organizations to automatically step in and take care of your failure to do good planning. So you're going to have to make a hard decision. 
and recognize that you're going to have to find a way to live on a reduced income and however painful that may be, make the best decision for the ministry leadership that ministry leadership role that you've had and help the organization go forward to new leadership, even though it may be costly to you financially. But if you're on the other extreme, you've done well and you you have a good job and the benefits are nice and the entitlement or the uh, the perks are good and you feel somewhat entitled to all that, you got to get past that. You have to recognize that you have give, been given these things for a season, not for a lifetime. And part of your discipline as a leader is being willing to step aside at the right time in the right way and give these things up so that the next person can enjoy them and be blessed by them and have them going forward. You know, when we were preparing to move the seminary years ago, one of the really significant moves for our family was leaving the president's home in Mill Valley. If you ever went to our campus, you know that the president's home was perched on a, uh, a, a, a beautiful location facing the San Francisco Bay with panoramic views of the Bay, Alcatraz, the downtown city lights of San Francisco, the Bay Bridge. It was an incredible place to live. And people would ask my wife, is it hard for you to give up living in the president's house? She had a great answer. She said, not really, because I knew I would always give it up someday. And then she would say, I came for a season, not for a lifetime. And this was just mine to enjoy for a little while. And she said, I got to enjoy it a few less years than I thought I would. But that didn't really matter because I knew it was never really mine. It was just something that was shared with me. Every ministry leader needs that kind of perspective on all the benefits that come to us. The prestige, the recognition, the office, the staff, the benefits, the perks. All of that stuff that comes with us as we get older in leadership. That's all just being shared with us. We're not entitled to any of it. We just have it for a season. And we all have to make the decision, intentional decision, to step away from it and recognize that another person's going to enjoy it now for a season. And it wasn't ours for a lifetime. It was just ours for a little while. Now, if you're a younger leader, what can you do to prevent some of these difficulties? Well, the first thing you can do is invest in your financial future now. Invest in your financial future now. If you're in your 20s or 30s, you might think, oh, retirement is so far down the road. I'll find time later to get ready financially for that. No. The money that you set aside in your 20s and 30s will multiply dozens of times over by the time you get to 60 or 70. If you wait until you're 50 or 60 to start, that money will not have that many years to multiply. I'm appealing to you. Start doing something now, thinking about the long-term future that you need to prepare for financially. You say, well, I can only do 10 or 25 or $50 a month. Do it. Just do it. I read recently that a person who puts $100 a month into a retirement fund starting when they're in their 20s and does that for 20 years, that money will be worth over $500,000 based on historic market returns by the time they retire. $100 a month turns into $500,000 over time. So invest in your financial future now if you're younger so that you don't have these issues when you get older. 
And then second, no matter what age you are in ministry, recognize that whatever benefits, whatever support, whatever salary, whatever uh, um, office, whatever staff, whatever you've been given in ministry, it's not yours. You're not entitled to it. You don't deserve it. It's a gift. It's something shared. It's something that you can use. And frankly, perhaps something you can even enjoy. But remember what my wife said. It's always just for a season. It's not for a lifetime. It's just for now, not forever. And if you can have that kind of attitude and develop that attitude, you will come to the end of your service time and you'll be ready to make the transition without feeling that you have to cling on to these things we're talking about today. Well, on the podcast today, we've been talking about older leaders struggling with transition. And I've really pointed out three big areas where older leaders struggle. Confusion about identity, confusion about vision, and concerns about money and the entitlements that often come with that. These are issues older leaders struggle with when they're moving through transition. You can support them, pray for them, help them. But ultimately, they have to take responsibility for for resolving these issues and for resolving them well for the benefit of the organization they've served, for the blessing of the people around them, and for the betterment of God's mission going forward. If you're a younger leader, you can take steps now to establish clear identity in Christ and his mission separated from the role or title or position you have. You can work now to understand the power of vision, but also recognize when vision lags and it's momentum you're depending on. Learn to make that distinction and understand the need for the perpetual casting of vision in every organization. And then finally, you can start doing something now about the money issue, making sure as a younger person that you are making whatever adjustments needed so that you will have the long-term financial health that you need and support you need when it comes time for your transition to take place. Well, we're thinking a lot about transition at Gateway right now, and I'm certainly working on it personally. I hope you will think about this if you're an older leader from the perspective of making it work well where you are. And if you're a younger leader, you will think about it as preventive medicine that you can take to assure that you'll be ready when the time comes. Transition is a part of leadership. We need to learn how to do it well as we lead on.